Well, good morning, church. You can do better than that. Good morning, church. Glad you are here today and want to welcome you to Friend Day. And I hope you enjoyed the biscuits, the gravy, the pancakes, the fellowship. We're just thrilled that you've joined us today. And, you know, as we think about Friend Day, one thing that comes to mind is this. And I think something we all would agree with. Uh, we would all agree that true friends are a gift from God. Can I get an amen on that one? How many of you have true friends in the room? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you, we're sorry. We'll find you somebody. But true friends are a gift from God, right? And they're a gift from God for a couple of reasons. One reason they're a gift from God is because ultimately there's someone that, that you can trust with your life. You can pour your soul into them and you know that that is a trusted person. Another reason true friends are a gift from God is because they're the people that are a voice in your life. They have access to your decisions and you've given that voice and hopefully a true friend, a godly friend, as someone who leads you down that right path. But here's what we know. While friends are a gift from God, we also know this to be true. It's hard to find a true friend too, isn't it? Because we've all had those friends that heard some stuff, that knew some stuff, that shared some stuff they weren't supposed to share. And we've all had those friends that try to tell us stuff that leads us down a path that we don't need to be going down. And so we know that as true as it is that friends are a gift from God, we also know that finding a friend like that is not easy, is it? So what I want to do today is I want to look at a passage of Scripture in John as we continue through going through John. And I want to look at and help us see today that there's one person who truly is trustworthy. There's one person that who needs to be the right voice in your life. And so if you have your Bible, start with me the, the Gospel of John. John chapter 10 is where I'm going to be this morning. John chapter 10, and because I'm going to break it up, you can remain seated for the reading of God's Word. And as we look at John 10 today, on this friend day, there are two things I want you to notice with me this morning. The first one is found in verse 1 through 6, and it says this, Jesus is speaking, and here's what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in on another way. The man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all the sheep on his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his what? Voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used to them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, Jesus, the first thing I want you to notice is I want you to notice the parable here. Jesus tells a parable. Now, if you're kind of new to the church experience, let me explain what a parable is. It's kind of an earthly story with a deeper spiritual meaning. So Jesus would have grabbed something that they would have understood from this world, an idea that they would have understood from the world we live in, and he would have attached it to a deep spiritual truth. And so when he tells this parable, he talks about a sheep pen. And he talks not only about the sheep pen, but those who would enter the sheep pen. And he talks about two kinds of people that enter the sheep pen. On one hand, he says, there are thieves and robbers. They're those who enter the sheep pen not the right way, right? Did you pick up on that? He said, how do they enter the sheep pen? They enter by climbing in another way. Now, do you remember when you were a kid and you wanted to get to your neighbor's yard to do something and you didn't want to walk around and you jumped the fence? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody do that illegal activity? 
right? You trespass. Well, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about those who know the way into the gate. There's one, there's one entry point, and to any sheep pen, there was only one point of entry. Now, why is that important? Because that's how you keep the sheep together. If you have multiple exits and multiple entries, how hard is it going to be to keep the sheep together? Now, unlike us, they didn't have an electronic gating community. Uh, they didn't have like a gated community. It wasn't like the sheep pen was gated in the way that we think of it. And basically, they just had one entry point. He says, so there are those that try to climb over the side. They try to get in a different way. Those people are thieves and robbers. Now, why would he say that? Because he's saying, listen, the way they enter in speaks to their agenda with the sheep. The way they've entered in, they've not come in through the main gate. They're coming in the side. They want to go and fly below the radar. And the fact that they're coming in and the way they shouldn't come in is evidence of their intent. Now, what is their intent? To lead the sheep astray. Now, I want you to hear me on that. Their intent is to deceive and to manipulate the sheep and to use their voice to lead the sheep astray. So the point of the parable Jesus is saying is that if you're that sheep, you don't want to listen to the voice of a thief and a robber. It is the wrong voice in your life. And obviously these thieves and robbers he's talking about, they want the sheep to follow them. They want to be that wrong voice, but ultimately they don't have the sheep's best interest. Just a quick question. If you were home and someone broke into your house, are they going to come through the front door most likely? No. Okay, great answer. Who said no? All right, everybody needs to be on board with them, right? No, Keely, they're not, right? How are they going to enter in? They're going to probably break in a window, come in the back door. They want to fly below the radar. And let's just all agree on this one thing. When a thief or robber breaks into your house, do they have your best interest at heart? Come on, do they have your best interest at heart? Do they break in and go, hey, don't break anything else? They worked hard for this. Not, no, we can't take that because that's valuable. We're going to leave that sitting right there. Do they have any of that? No. What is their intent? It's to lead you astray. It's to come in and to ravage your household. He says, that's what a thief and robber does to my sheep. They want to come in and create disarray. They want to come in and they want you to listen to their voice and they want to lead you down a path that will take you away from the things of God. And then he talks also in this parable, not only about the, the thief and the robbers, but he talks about the true shepherd. And look what he says about the true shepherd. He said, the true shepherd, he goes, but there's one who enters by the door. Now, when you go home and you go through your door, why do you go through your front door? Because you own the house, right? I mean, that is your house. And most of us go through the garage. I get it. But you understand the point here. You go through the front door and because you've got a key, it's your house, and that's the way you're going to enter in the house. He says, there's one, the true shepherd, who enters into the front door, who enters in the right way, and ultimately, he knows his sheep. He knows them by name. And they know what? His voice. And it's the right voice, right? It's not the voice that has ill intent. It's the voice that wants to lead the sheep in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. It's the voice that wants to lead the sheep in the right direction, not lead them astray like the thief or the robber. He said, so there's a thief and a robber that's coming the wrong way, that's trying to lead you astray. But then there's a true shepherd who has the best intent for you. And he wants to be a voice that leads you in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. And he says here at the end, and those sheep who hear the shepherd's voice, what do they do? They follow. They follow. 
Why do sheep follow the shepherd's voice? You know why? Because if they know his voice, that means they know that he's the one that has cared for me. He's the one that has protected me. He's the one that has provided for me. When, so when he speaks to me, yes, I'm going to follow. Because when I follow him, guess what follows? Provision, protection, love, nurturing, unconditional love. I know when I follow him, I'm following someone who has my best interest at heart. Now, here's one thing we know about sheep. We know sheep aren't super intelligent. But what we learn from the passage is sheep at least know enough to know which voice to follow and which voice to run from. Now, as I read this parable, I, I'm blown away at the implications. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, my own mind's going, okay, I get this. And, and so you've got these thieves and robbers coming to the side. They're climbing over the fence. They're trying to create, dis, they're trying to lead them astray and, and create disarray. And, they're, and they don't have the sheep's best interest. But then you've got the true shepherd who comes in and all the sheep are like, ah, that's the right guy. And so they're listening to him. They're following him. He's got their best interest at heart. And then here's how this part of the parable ends. And they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. Now, do you think they got the idea of the shepherd and the robber? Sure, they would have got that. They would have understood that because that's the world they lived in. But what they were missing is the spiritual significance of what Jesus was trying to communicate. Now, just like Jesus, he doesn't write them off going, okay, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed, so I'm just going to move on from you. No, no, no. What does Jesus do? It's the second thing I want you to notice, and it's the explanation. Jesus gets crystal clear with the implications. Look what he says in verse 7 through 10. So Jesus, again, <laughs> aren't you glad that Jesus always has an again for you and I too? Come on, are you glad for that? I don't know about you, but I'm not always the sharpest tool in the shed either, are you? Sometimes I read God's word and I miss it, and Jesus again has to convict me on that. So it says this, And Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, though, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So here is the explanation. You ready? Here's the crystal clear explanation. First and foremost, I am the door. Now, this makes very little sense to us. But think about what Jesus is telling them. They would have understood the responsibilities of a shepherd. They would have understood what the, 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 the worldly things that Jesus was trying to pull into this about thieves and robbers and, and doors and shepherds. They would have gotten that, but they missed the implication. So Jesus says, listen, let me explain it to you. Here it is. You ready? Are you listening? Are you paying careful attention? Here it is. I am the door. Now, in this culture, a shepherd had basically two responsibilities as it related to the sheep pen. First of all, they were the doorkeeper. That was their primary job. They were the doorkeeper. So at nighttime, when they would put the sheep into the sheep pen, they didn't like go, okay, I hope it all works out for you. Hope you stay safe. Don't come out to the opening. I'm going to go watch some Super Bowl. I'll be back tomorrow. That's not what they did. They would lay across the entry of the doorway. So if this is the doorway into the sheep pen, literally the shepherd would lay across 
the doorway. Now, why would he do that? It was to keep the sheep in and keep the wolves, what? Out. He was their protector. This shepherd was the doorkeeper. He's the one that was, was, the, was the, the hurdle between sheep getting out and wolves getting in, right? And so that was his responsibility. But not only that, he was the one that allowed sheep in. So if a sheep had got out and they wanted in, he was the one that allowed it in. Why? Because he's guarding the door. So he was a gatekeeper or a doorkeeper keeping the wolves out, sheep in. But if a sheep had gone astray and found its way back, he was the one that allowed that sheep into the pen. And his allowing the sheep into the pen was a picture that now they are saved, now they're safe, and now they're secure because you made it to the sheep pen. That's what they would have understood. And here's what Jesus says, I am the door. Listen to me, church. I am the door, meaning this, I am the one who protects my sheep. I'm the one for those who put their faith in me and for those who follow me and live their life for me. I am the one who protects and provides for my children and my sheep. You gotta know that. But second of all, I am also the way to eternal life. Let's go back to verse nine. Look what he says here in verse nine again. I am the door and if anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. And we'll go in and out and we'll find pasture. Jesus, listen, I know you're not following with me. You're tracking with me. You kind of get it. Let me make it crystal clear. I'm the door. You know what shepherds do. They guard the door. They allow sheep into the door. That's me. I am the one who protects those who follow me. But I'm also the only one that can give you access to the kingdom of heaven. Salvation is only found in me. Your safety and your security is only found in me allowing you entrance. I'm the door. It's me. But he says this, but, 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 but. In contrast to me being the door, there's a thief out there. And look what he says in John 10, 10. We all know this. But the thief comes to what? Still, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Here's what Jesus says. Listen, I am the door. I'm the one that's going to protect those who follow me. But I'm also the one who's going to let people in into the kingdom of heaven. It's only through me do you have access to the kingdom of heaven. But there's a thief out there. And this thief is wanting to be that wrong voice in your life. And he wants to lead you astray. And we know the name of the thief. It's the devil, right? We know the thief is the devil. It's Satan. Whatever name you want to put with it, he is the thief. He's the one that comes along and tries to derail us. He's the one that wants to lead us astray. He's the one that wants to take us away from the things of God and follow our own desires, our own pursuits, and our own way of doing things. He said, there's an enemy. There's a thief. And his only desire for you, his only agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. Just a quick question. How many of you want a friend like that? Anybody? You want a friend that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you? No. But some of us, when we are listening to the wrong voice and walking away from God and, and toward our pleasures and toward our desires and away from the things of God, are we not embracing the very 
enemy himself as a friend of ours? Sure we are. But I love what Jesus does. He goes, the thief comes to do this, but, 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 I have come. Remember the door? The guy, I'm the door, right? You remember that, right? The door, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly or translates to the fullest. In other words, I have come because I want to be the right voice in your life. I want to be the voice that points you to the way of everlasting hope, the way of everlasting life. I am the door and I have come, not like the enemy who has a bad agenda, I've come to be the right voice for you and to point you in the way of eternal life. I'm the door, and I want you to know that. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says another thing. Last thing I want you to notice is, look what he says in verse 11. He first says, I am the door. Now he changes it and makes it even more intimate. And here's what he says. I am the good shepherd. Stop there. I'm the good shepherd. Now, he's not just a shepherd. He's what? Come on. He's what? A good shepherd. Which means there is a lot of shepherds out there. And there's a lot of shepherds who herd their sheep and probably do the minimum required to make sure their sheep don't get eaten by wolves. But he takes it a step farther and says, no, am I the door that is your pathway to eternal life? And I'm the one who protects those who belong to me. But I am a good shepherd. Now you said, Doug, what does it mean to be a good shepherd? Well, Jesus tells us. Look what he says next in verse 11. For I am the good shepherd The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep and flees when the wolves snatch them and scatter them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What is a good shepherd? A good shepherd is one who lays his life down for his sheep. In other words, the good shepherd is one who lays his life down for those whom he cares for and loves. And Jesus says it. The hired hands, they don't care about their sheep. In fact, if wolves are coming, guess what they're doing? Peace out. And they're out of there, right? I mean, they're gone. But the good shepherd lays down his life. Now, we know right here, Jesus foreshadowing something. What's he foreshadowing? Come on, what's he foreshadowing? The cross, right? The cross. Because the ultimate expression that Jesus was the good shepherd is that one day he would climb the hill called Golgotha and he would lay down and they would drive nails in his feet and his hands and they would put him up on this cross and he would sacrifice his life for you and for me because he was the good shepherd and he loves us. But he didn't stop there. Look what he says next in verse 14 and 15. The good shepherd only lays his life down for his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. A good shepherd not only lays his life down for the sheep, but a good shepherd intimately knows his sheep. He calls them by name. I don't know about you, but I love my kids. You love your kids? Not a rhetorical question, by the way. Do you love your kids? If you've got kids, most of the time, do you love your kids? If you have more than one kid, do you ever find yourself stammering over which one you're trying to call and you say, hey, you, right? But ultimately, you know them by name, right? Now, why do you know your kids by name? Because besides the fact that you birthed them, moms, and because you put their name on a birth certificate, why do you know them by name? Why do you care to know them deeply and intimately by their name? Because you love them. 
And sometimes you see that in parents. Like, when I was the good kid, I was Doug. When I was the bad kid, I was Douglas. It just depended. You know I'm talking about some of you, right? And so it just depended. But when I heard my name, especially my dad, this deep booming from the corridors of the hallway, Douglas, I knew that it was about to break loose and it was going to be on my backside. And so just something about that, you know their name and it shows a picture of the intimate relationship you have. Listen, he says, I am the good shepherd who not only lays my life down for those I love, I know your name. Think about that for a moment. Jesus knows everybody in this room today. No matter where your story is, no matter what you've done in life, no matter how close you are or how far you are from God, he knows your name. And he says, just as I and the Father know each other, that's how will I know them. Just as the Father and I are intimately aware of each other, that's how intimately knowledgeable I am of all humanity. Now that's pretty awesome, isn't it? That you and I, that this infinite God, this creator of the universe would be mindful and knowledgeable and caring of you and me? Isn't that pretty awesome? In fact, let's take it a step farther. Some of you have been around here a long time, and you've not taken the time to get to know everybody else's name in the church. But Jesus knows your name. Why? Because he loves you. So the good shepherd lays down his life. He intimately knows him. And look what he says in verse 16 as we wrap this up. He says, and I have other sheep, in other words, other believers, that are not in this fold, I must bring them all also, that they may listen to my voice. In other words, there's other believers in the world, and they're part of one flock. So there's but one flock and one shepherd. But listen to this. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Talking about the resurrection. Then he says this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The good shepherd lays his life down for sheep, but the good shepherd intimately knows his sheep. But listen to this. The good shepherd sacrifices his life willingly. Did you pick up on what Jesus said? No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I didn't sacrifice my life. I'm not going to sacrifice my life out of mere obligation. I'm going to sacrifice my love out of mere unconditional love for humanity. He's a good shepherd. And so when Jesus is talking to these people on that day that misunderstand the parable, Jesus makes it super clear. Listen, I'm the door. I'm the pathway to eternal life. I'm the one who protects those who follow him. But I want you to know, I'm not just a shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to go to the length where I'm going to lay my life down for you. And I know you intimately because I love you. And as I lay my life down for you, I'm not doing it because I have to do it in the sense of obligation. I'm doing it because I deeply and desperately love you and want you to experience eternal life with me in heaven forever. Now listen to me, church. Hear this. This is the most important thing I'm going to say all morning is this. This is the reason and this is why this passage makes Jesus the right voice for your life. Because if his ultimate goal is to protect and provide for his sheep, is he ever going to lead you astray if you're a believer? Come on, is he ever going to lead you astray? 
No. And if you don't know him as your savior, is he going to lead you down a dark path or is he going to lead you to the place of eternal life? Eternal life. This makes Jesus the right voice for your life, but it also makes Jesus someone who can be trusted. I don't know about you. I think the older I get, the harder I find it to trust people. Anybody else like that? This is full disclosure. Anybody else like that? I think I've been jaded, right? I think I've been hurt, lied to, backstabbed in my life at some point. And trust just comes hard for me sometimes. But the reality is what makes Jesus trustworthy is that he's the door. And that he's the good shepherd who loves us and cares for us and only wants the best for us. Now this morning, I'm sure we all need a friend, a real friend. We need a friend who can be the right voice. We need a friend who can be someone we trust. And I just want to tell you, if you want a friend that's always the right voice, and you want a friend who you can always trust, who's never going to let you down and never going to disappoint you, that friend is King Jesus. And there's some of you here this morning, like me, you've trusted him with your life at some point. There's been a moment in your life when you turned from your sin and said, I trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. And now you know that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And if that's you today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're one of his sheep, if you know that you are a friend and a child of God this morning, here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Let's remember that he's the good shepherd. Let's remember that he knows us even when we don't know ourselves. He loves us And he sacrificed his love, his life, that we might have life again. He sacrificed his life for you and I. Let's remember that he is the good shepherd. And all he wants from us as believers, you ready? All he wants us to do is to listen to his voice. Listen to his word, which is his voice. And obey it. Listen, as a parent, when my kids were little... There was nothing any sweeter in the moment than when I said something and it happened. It didn't happen often. I can't even think of a good example right now, but I'm sure there was a moment. And what does the Lord want from you and I as believers? He wants us to hear his voice and obey it. But secondly, what he wants is this, is for us to trust him with everything. Trust him with your finances. Trust him with your marriage. Trust him with your failures. Trust him with your decisions. Trust him with every area of your life. Because if you're like me, you try to figure it out on your own. You try to handle it on your own. And what we all know in the end, it never seems to work out well for us. And as a believer, he not only wants us to hear his voice and obey him, he wants us to trust him. Why? Because he's in control. He's got what you don't. And if you're a believer today, maybe you just need to turn that over to him. Say, Lord, I'm going to listen to your voice, and I'm going to obey you. And Lord, I'm making a commitment today to trust you with the junk that's going on in my life. And maybe you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus is your Savior. Can I encourage you with this? He is your door. He is the only way you're ever going to receive eternal life and spend it with him in heaven. It's only through faith 
in Jesus. He is the door, but also he is the good shepherd. He is the one who did lay down his life for you. He went to a cross and died. In the middle of hanging on the cross, he looked out to those that were accusers, those whose sin would put him there, and he cried out these words, Father, forgive them. The heart of Jesus on the cross is that we might know the forgiveness of God. And he has the best resume to be your true friend this morning. He is the one who is the right voice who you can totally trust. And my question is, will you surrender to him this morning? Well, Doug, how do I do that? Well, it's, it's so easy. And it can't be my words, it's got to be your words. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and acknowledge him as a friend that sticks closer than a brother, it's about surrendering your life to him. It's about saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you're the only way to be saved. You're the only way for me to have eternal life. And I surrender myself to you and invite you to be the boss and the master of my life. And if you will do that, if you will turn from your sin and turn to him, he will come in and be your Lord and your Savior, and your eternity will be changed forever. Right now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you every head bowed and every eye closed, and let's stand together. Every head bowed.